Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teep. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably recording this with a glass of wine in hand. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Last week, we discussed why we believe that advisors should consider charging fees. And so today, we are back to talk about how to actually implement those fees. And if you are currently charging them, how to know when to increase your rates. With that being said, we have a lot to cover, so we are going to get started. So Robin, you want to kick us off with how to actually begin implementation for fees. Yeah. So if you are totally new to fees, let's talk about some ways to implement them and what to do before you just kind of throw a number out the window. Because um, I think that's something we initially started with. Maybe there was some rhyme or reason, but we just kind of picked a number and ran with it. And that works. You should be charging something. However, I think there is a lot of value to doing some research and doing some math when it comes to your fees. So your fees should account for what you want to make in your business, right? Like they should account for the cost of your time and your expenses and your overhead and all of these other factors. So sitting down and getting kind of like in the nitty gritty of your business, um, I would definitely say is step one. You should know exactly what your overhead is per month. Um, and then take a fine look at like what you're bringing in commission wise, um, like your average commission rate. And then we want to time track. So that will give us like the cost of our time. Um, toggle is a really great tool. Everyone is always asking me what my time tracking tool recommendation is. It is toggle T O G G L. And it is a great tool to start time tracking. So you can actually go in, create little tasks for each of the itineraries you're currently working on, and then go and like time track and stay in one task. That's, I think, the key with time tracking. It makes you almost focus a little bit more. Um, And then you want to just identify like a rough estimate. Obviously, situations are different. A fly and flop is going to be a little bit different than what your time would be spent on a multi, you know, trip, European, FIT, going to different countries, multiple weeks, all of that kind of stuff. Um, But the good like round average per different trip type is really, really what we're trying to grasp here. So working back, you'll factor in your fees, you'll look at your time, you want to make sure that you're bringing in the income you want. Um, because that's ultimately, you know, what fees are for, right? Like we didn't start businesses to just run ourselves into the ground. We started to actually make a living and earn an income. So you can always raise your fees later if you're like, you know, newer and you're like, well, I'm not sure, you know, I want to be making this, but you know, I only have a year or two in the industry. I mean, evaluate and you can always raise pricing over time. So once you have your actual fee number, um, we suggest creating different like packages or plans or service suites, if you want to call them that, to match your trip bookings. So this is like, we had different packages, I believe with Exploratory, where it's like, hey, you know, the, the base package is two destinations, one destination, it includes 
this many calls. It includes like this type of time frame for your proposal. So it'll be, you know, a 72 hour turnaround time or, you know, a five day turnaround time. Um, and it outlines exactly what's included in those services. So you can have like a suite of services where it's like, here's kind of the starting point. It's on the lower end. I'm not going to dedicate as much of my brain or one-on-one -on -one time to the trip. Um, I'll do, you know, maybe one call with you and then you can raise it for a little bit higher where it's like a signature package. So, you know, you're getting multiple touch points and multiple calls. Your turnaround time is, you know, within 48 hours, depending on the supplier and all of that kind of stuff. So there's ways to include these, like, you know, if you're scared of implementing a fee, I think a service suite is a really awesome spot to start because you can go and have that lower tier ticket and see how people react to that. And then I think you'll be shocked. Like people see um, value when they're given that like option of service level, I think. So I feel like they're more likely to feel in control and trust an advisor and know exactly what they're getting from the experience, right? Because I think, again, especially if you're new, you're probably breaking down and having some of those sales conversations where people are like, why would I work with you? Like, what's the value in a travel advisor? And these packages really outline exactly what's included in your service as well. So that's, that's a benefit um, for sure. After that... Um, I think something to consider is adjusting your systems to support whatever your new process is. So <clears throat> I always go back to time tracking. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool. Um, I think it gives you a really clear glimpse into your business, not only like how much time you're spending working inside of your business or working on trips versus on your business, right? Because we have to dedicate time to actually working like on our actual travel business. So that's marketing, that's emails. Um, you know, things like that. But I think when you start time tracking, you can identify the places in your business where there's a need for automation. Um, there are certain things that you can automate. If you have a team, you can definitely delegate um, or do. So I, when we launched one of our programs, the Agency Expansion Academy, our pre-enrollees actually got a do, delegate, and dump worksheet to work through. So there's where you list literally every task in your business, whether it's like on the client side, on the marketing side, on the operation side, you go and you dump everything you do. So, you know, planning social media, sourcing stock imagery, creating graphics in Canva, um, looking up relevant hashtags, interacting with followers on Instagram, all of these like small little tasks that like take up any amount of time in your business go into these like categories. And from there you can take a look at like, okay, I'm spending a lot of time on marketing. Like what in this list can be automated? Could I look into a software that breaks my hashtags and like gives me recommended hashtags instead of me sitting here sourcing new hashtags? Um, can I look at maybe hiring somebody? Of course, that's always, you know, an option as well. Um, but when you're sitting down and you're creating your service suite, I think it's a really awesome time to almost like take a little like a deep dive audit of your business as well and identify those systems that you can implement to automate the things that should be automated. So like client follow-ups that we are big Travel Joy fans, but any robust CRM with some automation capabilities is going to be your best friend here. So making sure that you're like leaning on your workflow um, and automating the things that can be automating. Automating, is that <laughs> automating the automating? Mm -hmm. um, 
And then once we kind of have our fee structure, I think this it's almost the scary part, right? Where it's like, let's put it out into the world. Um, and so how do we do that? First, when people come back to you, typically that's like, we always are looking for repeat business. You're going to want to make sure that you structure what that education piece looks like. So how are you going to communicate like the why behind your fee? So when people who booked with you without a fee can come back, you feel confident. Um, and when we implemented fees on our end in Exploratory, um, I, I did have to write this out. I had a script. It, that sounds so lame, I think, but um, I prefer to have a script or else my brain just like kind of takes, it goes rogue. And all of a sudden I'm like, what is coming out of my mouth and why can't I stop it? Um, but I created an actual like script for my repeat clients to be like, Hey, just so you know, like some things have updated since we last worked together. Here's what you can expect moving forward. Like whether I've outlined, you know, new service packages that they can select from or simply on the front end when they reach out being like, Hey, just so you know, before we get too deep in the weeds of this trip, I do have a service fee moving forward. Here's what that looks like. Here's how much it is. Here's what the value of that is. Um, and here's like, kind of like my why I've never, some people are always like, I don't want to, you know, tell them I'm afraid like they're going to think I just want to make money. And it's like, well, yeah, like we all want to make money. So I was always, and again, I think everyone will have different opinions on this and Jen, I'm sure you probably do, but I was always kind of like, listen, like even on my sales calls, it's like, here's how I make money. I make commissions from the trip. Like, here's how that works. It's not coming out of your pocket. It's coming out of my supplier partnerships. Um, so don't worry about that. But like people, when they don't know, they like, it's just weird, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, like they don't trust it. Cause it's like, well, cause even me, I was like, well, where is the money coming from? Like for commissions, am I, am I paying extra for the commission? Like in my mind, you just kind of have to take a step back and put yourself in your client's shoes for a second and be like, okay, if I've never worked with a travel advisor before, what would my hangups be? Because typically, you know, unless we're like, our parents were travel advisors and we came out of the womb knowing all of the things about this industry. Um, I think you, we all can agree that there's like a learning curve with it. So I would take a step back, say, you know, if I was a honeymoon client and I'm talking to a travel agent right now, what would I want to know? And part of it was like, where did the fees come from? What does the money come from? How do you make money if you don't charge fees? And I was always upfront about that. So I think it was easier for me to be upfront with my clients about like where my money is coming from and stuff. But um, yes, transparency is always best. And again, if you feel at all uneasy about having that conversation, I highly recommend that you just write it out, like outline it in a script. Um, and then eventually it'll become so second nature that it's just kind of something you say and it sounds super organic and it's not, it's not so weird. I think it takes, you know, really three or four times for you to say it. And then people will be like, okay. And then it gets way easier, but educating those repeat clients. And then practice talking about it. So when you have new clients, like I think it all comes down to confidence um, and how you present it. And when we don't practice it or outline it on the front end, voices instantly catch when you talk about pricing. I think you can probably hear this in just about anybody. Like it's like that naughty word where it's like, oh, what's the price? And it's like, typically people don't, you know, they know there's a cost associated with stuff like services and goods. Like you're not going to go on a trip for free. 
Um, unless you're maybe a travel advisor and you got a really dope fam, but, um, I think people like know that good service costs a premium. Um, so just outlining, you know, here's what my fee structure is. Um, and like sometimes I don't know how to say this, but like you can over communicate. So I think outlining it and just kind of laying it in there, letting them know, and then, you know, going into the whole in the sales call, like, do you have any questions for me? Um, I don't think it needs to be this like big, huge thing. If people have questions, great. Like maybe keep a list of like the objections people have or like, oh, I have a question about that. So maybe if there is like this common thread where people are always like, okay, well, when does the fee get charged or how do you charge the fee? Is it a direct, you know, my sent an invoice? Like, what does that look like? Um, so if like people are seeing the same or asking the same follow-up questions, include that in the pitch. But I think in the initial, like, Hey, I'm charging a fee. It doesn't need to be this whole like big song and dance where you're like, and now I'm going into a 15 minute presentation about all about this fee and why I deserve it. And that just kind of feels awkward. Like, I think it comes back to comfort too. Like what you're, you know, when you feel comfortable about something and when you display that confidence and comfort in something, um, it's a lot easier for people to buy in. So practice it if you need to, but don't overcomplicate it. Don't waver in that structure. Um, so yeah, John, anything I missed in that huge. <laughs> I have like so many. I have like a notebook next to me because I'm like, I have so many thoughts happening right now. That was that runaway train thing I was talking about. No, I like, love go, it. Go, go. We sectioned this podcast out like based off of Robin and I's strengths too. So Robin is like so great at talking about numbers and knowing your value. And I love the client experience side of it. So that's kind of where the methodology of like the breakdown of, of how we're working through the sections of implementing fees. But something that Robin hit on that I think is not the strength typically of a travel advisor, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, or I can be very wrong. I know that some people are very good at it. So this is not a rule of thumb necessarily, but I can say for myself, I'm not fabulous at time tracking, but it is such a necessary evil. And in fact, I think because so many creatives are involved in travel, it's just a, a, a really interesting industry that draws a lot of people that are prone more to creativity. So that isn't typically this super structured mentality. And Robin, you definitely bring that to the table where when you were in it, you had a very structured mentality. And I think it's what makes us a good pairing in that because we were able to step back and look at the processes. But I think the majority get into it because it's creative, it's fun, it's um, the, the possibilities are endless. And so for a creative brain, that's amazing. And it's easy to get distracted and hop from task to task is my point. <laughs> and, and time tracking doesn't allow for that. And you mentioned that like when you are time tracking, it's actually really fantastic because it, it forces you to focus on one thing. Well, that can be a challenge. And so people that are listening to this may be like, I don't want to time track, but there are a million reasons why you, you and I could talk about the benefits of time tracking. Again, podcast topic. I'm writing it down right now. The benefits of time tracking. But that this is a primary reason, and it's because if you have no idea how much time you're dedicating to servicing a trip, 
how the heck would you ever pick a fee structure? And if you're putting a value on your time, which we talked about as you should be putting a value on your time, if you have no concept of how much time you're actually applying to each trip, then you don't have a foundation or a baseline to even start creating a fee structure with. And when we tend to put numbers on things, I think we drastically underestimate, especially the little things like, oh yeah, I need to quickly make a dinner reservation for this booking. Okay, well, that probably took five minutes, but how many times did you do that Do that over the course of their entire life cycle of taking them from initial, not even intake call. It starts before the intake call. It starts when they first reach out, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, your form, whatever it may be, you're starting to service that sale from that point all the way from their departure and then really afterward too. So it's about calculating the number of hours you're willing to dedicate. And to your point, Robin, you mentioned this, how many touch points are included in each package? To me, that's one in the beginning and it's one at the end at a very maximum. Um, I think everything else can be handled in email and Loom, but there are some clients that just want more. So having a service suite that offers more or having additional call times that are paid, which we talked about before, it allows people to have that control that you mentioned. And when people have control over their options, they tend to trust more. So if you don't give options, people feel like they're backed into a corner a lot of the time. I mean, that's the point of a menu, right? So you go to a restaurant, you feel in control of your experience. You're not going to a, a, a preset menu, which I'm sure some people definitely love, but people want options and it, it does create trust. So having that service suite, I hopped around a lot on that, but it's like all the things that you mentioned are tied to each other. And so I just kind of wanted to follow up with all of that. <laughs> I know. I was like, I knew you'd have a ton of thoughts on it, but time I, tracking, it's so valuable. So valuable. One day I'm going to practice what I preach and I'm going to time track and I'm going to focus on that. But I will say we we put a lot of thought into the actual implementation of the fee structure before we ever did put that into place. And we can talk through that a little bit. But the time tracking, I mean, more on the teak side is that it's just we had no idea how to price our services in the beginning until we did time tracking either. Um, and that's I mean, that ultimately shapes your business. And Robin and I were talking about this before the recording even started was there's truly no way of getting into a full-time role in a quick way as a travel advisor, unless you're charging fees from the start. So I know we could beat a dead horse on that like we did last week, so I won't go into it, but I will go into how to communicate your fees. And this is something Robin was touching on before we transitioned to all of my thoughts on her section, but there are multiple points where you can start to educate your clients or your potential clients on your fees so that you're not into that spiral where you start to over-communicate. I agree with Robin completely that as soon as you are uncomfortable talking about your fees, you're going to over-explain yourself and it's going to create this 
space where you start to maybe ramble and sound uncertain and insecure about your systems. And people, if they're coming to a professional, they're expecting to pay a fee. And that's just what it should be. And so we have a few ways that we've created that would allow you to have that communication without directly having the conversation because we are communicating with our clients in various ways, not just when we're on the phone with them. So the first one is a how we work guide. This is something that with our travel potential clients, they weren't even clients yet, they would inquire and we would automatically respond with an email that had an opportunity for them to schedule on our calendar, which I know this is a very popular format for people, but it also would include an attachment and say, before the call, please review this attachment and work through the questions like on the last page because it was like things to know before you get on a call because we know there are so many people that get on an intake call and they've never even discussed what a, what kind of budget they're looking for. But in that how we work guide, it would include the different packages and it wouldn't even outline pricing, but just having the different tiered packages implies obviously that there are different service levels and that there's a cost associated with those service levels. So having that how we work guide is going to be your first point of contact where someone's going to say, oh, okay, I, one, have control of the situation and I can go the lowest package if I want, but two, there's a cost associated with this service. And so you're not even having to talk through anything yet, but you're getting that point across. The next thing would be one-on-one -on -one education for re return clients. And this I'm speaking of in the way that you've already had clients and you're somewhat seasoned in your career and you've decided that you want to transition into charging fees, which we would applaud. Um, this can be a more organic conversation where you get an, a return inquiry and you respond with enthusiasm saying, I'm so excited to hear from you. I wanted to explain a little bit on a few changes in our organization and you just say it matter of factly. Um, because of the service time associated with the bookings and how I want to prioritize time with you as you work with me, there is now going to be a service fee paid up front. And you just talk through the benefits essentially of why that works for them. Um, the reality is less clients means more quality time with your good clients. So I believe in spinning it in a way that allows them to realize that this fee is to create a mutual agreement between the two of you that you're prioritizing the relationship between each other. And uh, the next would be a newsletter. And this is this is something that, again, potentially, it doesn't even have to be if you're implementing and you've already been working on it, but we tend to think because we've said something a million times as business owners that everyone has paid attention to us. And the reality is that everyone's in their own world and everyone's favorite topic is themselves. Like you could say it at the top of your lungs and people are still going to say like, oh, are you still doing that travel thing? Oh, how does it work? Do travel advisors still exist? You're still going to get the same questions. I don't care if you've been in the business two years or 20 years, it's still going to happen. So there's no level of over-communication that is excessive when it comes to how your business works. 
So by having it in a newsletter, even if it's like a standing footer, essentially, of like, hey, haven't worked with us before, but interested, here's how we work. And it almost like loops back to that how we how we work guide where they can download it as a PDF and potentially even a lead generator, dare I say, where you capture their email, <laughs> um, which if they're on your newsletter, you already have that, but they might be forwarding it. Um, so the other thing is social media education. So between the newsletter and social media education, you can never... You can never over communicate how you work because it's always going to benefit the audience. It's always going to benefit you to reiterate how you work, why you do what you do, who you are. And I guarantee, even if your story views are higher than you've ever expected, I guarantee the next time you post it, it's going to be a different audience that sees it. It's just that not everyone is on social media at the same time. Not everyone lives and dies by social media. Not everyone opens your newsletter. So continuing to educate on multiple platforms how you work with those packages is only going to benefit you and essentially alleviate the stress of communicating it verbally once you get that new client on the phone. So Robin, when to increase fees? I feel like this is a, a great one for you. <laughs> no, this is such a good one. I'm all about making more money. Um, and you should feel, you know, in control of your fees. Like they never have to be set in stone. I think we've had times in Teak where we've launched a service and we're like, we're pricing it at this. And it either flopped. So we lowered it and we got start, like a good response and people started booking it. Or, you know, it was like, holy crap, we're sold out for months, like we need to raise it. So don't feel like you're stuck with your fees, like if you can't increase them. Um, but some things to look for to increase them is when your client load first is when your client load becomes too heavy. So you're feeling very like overwhelmed with the requests coming in and you can't, you can't find like those true ideal clients. You know what I mean? Like the ones who are like, not arguing about your fees or not taking a million hours to decide on like one thing or needing 20,000 revisions. Like those probably aren't what I would categorize as an ideal client. So I think when you're getting over flooded with requests and there's some mixed in there, like there's probably some ideal clients popping around in there, but the majority of them, you're kind of like, Meek. you make me cringe. <laughs> it's like a squeaky door. <laughs> Like, spoiler alert, our next podcast is about client red flags. <laughs> oh gosh. Um <laughs> so if you are overwhelmed with a request, I think that's an excellent point for you to reevaluate your fees and if they can go up. Um, this would also again increase the quality of your ideal client of the client coming in. Um when you start implementing or you start raising fees. We also like to recommend including a minimum trip spend when you do this at like the same time, since the two really do go hand in hand and narrowing down your clientele, right? Because we all want to get to like the higher level trips, probably the more luxury trips, if that's your market, if it's not, you know, then that's fine as well. Um, but I think that's a really good point in time when you can start looking at those minimums. Um, for us in niche, it was like once we were like multiple months booked out, that was a, a flag for us to be like, 
we got to raise prices. Because the second you at all feel like overwhelmed, I think that's an excellent time to step back and be like, whoa, 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 like something needs to be adjusted here. Because if it's like the floodgates are open, like let's close the floodgates a little bit. Um, Number two is when your effort doesn't really match your income. So this requires putting that monetary like value or, you know, cost for time number um, and referring back to that time tracking in Toggle. Again, Toggle is the greatest thing in the world. They have a browser extension. So if you are in Chrome, like I am, you can just, okay, I'm doing dining reservations. Let me click this really quick and just time track it. No matter if it's two minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is. So this is, again, time tracking is gold. We will do an episode on this, I feel like. Um, but if your effort gets off balance because of like COVID regulations are crazy. So all of a sudden you're not just booking trips, but you're also checking the government websites to see what kind of requirements your clients need before they travel to Jamaica, Puerto Rico, you know, Europe, whatever it is, um, and the complexity of your trip. So you should like reevaluate your fees so that you're effort that you're putting into a trip is like reciprocated. I mean, again, flight and flops, it's it's quick, it's easy, it's done. I could crank those things out all day long. So those were never an issue for me. But once it came into like the, already now we're going, you know, Paris, Amsterdam, and a little bit of Italy, that's, that's more logistics, that's more airline flights, that's more hotels, that's, that's a much more complex trip. So when I look at that, that needs to be a different service for me, because that's a different level of time that I'm dedicating to that client. So you want to make sure that you're, again, that effort, how much time you're spending on the trips, it's matching that income. And last, you're not meeting income goals. I think there's something so sad. I just got done speaking at a conference um, a couple weeks ago at the time of this recording. And one of the topics was like, when do you start making money in your travel business? And I was like, ah, right away. Like, You deserve to make income. Again, if you're not making money on your business, this isn't a business. It's more so a hobby. So you need to be making making sure that your income is sustainable for your lifestyle, for your business overhead, and all of those things to keep the lights on. Because, and again, I think we have a contract CFO. Um, We... I owe our life to her. I think Jen might have to give up her firstborn child to Giovanna because of all the things she's brought to our business and our lives. But she's always like profit first. Like if you don't love the business and like you're not taking money from the business, like what is the point of the business? Because we were in this like, let's hire. Like we need more things. Let's hire and then we'll pay ourselves. And she was like, hard stop. No, we're paying you first. And then we're doing this. So if you need somebody like that, um, definitely look into a contracted CFO like we did. That's been super helpful. But bottom line is you need to ensure that like your business can support your livelihood and again, keep the lights on. So you're allowed to want to change those financial goals. Again, when you first get started, maybe it's scary to be like, I want to pull in six figures a year. Like that's, that's a something we can look at our three-year roadmap and identify like, okay, in three years, I want to pull this from my business and we can build a plan to build up to that. Um, Because I think it's really powerful to have these, you know, you have your fees. And as we talked about in our last episode, fees allow you to forecast, which is great. So you have an idea of what's coming in. It also allows you to set metrics of success so that you know, I need to close 10 trips this month because my fees coming in will be this. And my 
average commission for each of these trips would be, you know, somewhere in this range. So that feels good for me. Like it covers my overhead and I have a steady profit that I can put back, you know, towards bills and life and things. Um, so another thing to consider here is evaluating the economy right now. You know, there's a lot of recession talk and like we all know that the price of living goes high and all over the place. So there is a time when inflation or changes in your lifestyle will require you to reevaluate your fees. And that's normal. I think we'll see this across the board in all industries. So it's not just for travel and you shouldn't feel bad about being like, yeah, I used to charge $150. However, like my cost of living has gone up, you know, 3%, 9%, 10%, whatever it is. And now I need more from my business. So, um, those are, those are my three things, Jen. Well, and the thing is, is like, maybe you used to live in Georgia and now you moved to New York city. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's, it is inflation 100%, but just like any lifestyle change or you want a lifestyle change. I mean, it is okay. Like you said, you have permission to want more out of your lifestyle. And if you've been living incredibly moderately and now you're in a phase of your life where you're like, you know what, I'm actually ready to travel. And I only want to travel first class because I recognize that I don't enjoy myself for the first three days if I'm jet lagged when I'm there. Okay, well, then you're not getting what you want out of your trip. Um, and of course I take it back to travel cause that's just like my main motivator, but also what if you buy a house and that cost of living, I mean, that cost of living has completely changed over the past three years. We've yeah. seen increases in interest rates, but also increases in cost of homing, 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 <laughs> look it up. <laughs> so I mean, it's just incredible. I look at housing like 10 years ago versus now, and I, I don't think that I've gotten a day older for the past 10 years. So I'm also very confused how like the scope. You haven't goes. though. I know. It's you bad. found that, that, what is it? The, what did Ponce de Leon look in St. Augustine for? Fountain of Youth. Fountain of Youth. Yes. It's called Botox. <laughs> okay. It's all the same thing. And again, if you're, if you're scared at fees, I'm just going to plant this little fact story, I guess, on you. But Jen did a really awesome training in our niche community earlier this week. And I'm just going to let you know, there's a girl who charged, what, $2,500 fee? And it was paid. $2,700. And I want to say... For a fee, not for the trip. And that was loud. But I needed to be emphasized. I love her for it because she actually did not charge fees. I'm going to say, I won't say her name, but she was not charging fees a year and a half ago. So if you're like in a situation where you're like, I can never charge that, am I worth that? First of all, that's something that I want you guys to address with yourself if you don't think you're worth it, because I guarantee you are. Um, so if you need hype women, we're here for you. But also she wasn't charging any fees and it actually was largely associated with the other advisors that she was surrounding herself with at the time, where they were also not really charging fees, nor were they calculating fees based off of the value they were adding to the trip. So there is a direct correlation, not only with time tracking, but also value add. If someone is having a $2,700 better of a trip because you played a part in planning it, then heck yes, you are worth that. So yes, that's a subjective number. And I would challenge 
everyone to look at this like truly from a metrics perspective first and that then adds some subjectivity. But I think that once it gets emotional, people realize like, yeah, I did add that much value. And 20 years from now, when they look back on their trip, are they going to regret paying $2,700 for making sure that that trip went off smoothly? And we had this experience that was ungoogleable and it was so personalized to us. We didn't have to take time away from our family or our friends to plan it. Um, and we got these fabulous amenities because it was, you know, she VIP'd us as much as she could. There, there are so many factors involved in what you add to it, but there are also, there's also so much risk in what we do and you have to cover your risk. And if you are charging a hundred dollars for a fly and flop to service the booking, and then you realize you made a mistake of $300, I mean you're in the hole immediately. So, I mean, we, we addressed that on the last podcast for sure, but just, I think fees are that additional extra cushion and you do need to have it directly associated with your risk of liability with the trip, the amount of time that it takes to create that beautiful trip. And I think you should make a a fee goal per month. I mean, so many people focus on a sales goal, but a sales goal means nothing. Right. You're not actually saying, okay, my sales goal is this. And I also have a minimum commission of this. Then maybe it has a numerical value to it. But when you say just a sales goal, first of all, there are so many different commission structures that it, frankly, it, it means nothing. I don't want to, I don't want to minimize anyone that has a sales goal because I absolutely had sales goals and you and I have sales goals with Teak, but it means nothing unless you can assure yourself that you're bringing a certain level of profit in based off of that sales goal. And that goes back to the profit first method. So even if you don't work with Giovanna, who is fabulous, work with someone who is profit first based because you can't do your work. You can't own a business if the business is owning you. Um, but what I was going back to or what I want to go back to with the, the fees is you need to set a monetary goal per month that allows you to live. Because even if you have no travel happening that month, you can say, all right, well, at least I know, or at least I'm going to strive for X, Y, Z per month when it comes to fees. And that way, that's my foundation to live. And your commissions can cover your overhead. Your commissions can you know, be a dividend payout at the end of the year. It can be whatever you want it to be and how your accountant actually structures that with you. We're not here to tell you the finances and how to run those specifically. But if you don't have goals for your fees, I can assure you, you're not going to meet them. <laughs> so, 100%. because they don't make Well, think yeah. about it. Cause like, not just, not just paying the bills, not just paying like your bills, but also your business bills. Like think about fans, like and all the travel expenses, like setting a budget for yourself and your business, knowing that like, Hey, yeah, I have to, I know I'm going to virtuoso week. So that's going to, I'm going to pay for flights in a hotel and I'm going to probably stay extra and like hit up the strip. Or I'm also going to attend, you know, this fabulous fam in Italy this year and looking ahead and actually putting some thought. And again, it all comes back to like business with intention, I guess. And approaching your business with intention, but taking a look at your year and what's coming up and ensuring that 
those things are accounted for in your fees as well. I really think we need to get a episode with like Giovanna on here to just talk through like basic philosophy of profit first and things to consider when setting a budget and stuff like that. Um, I can see Jen typing notes as I speak. So <laughs> she would love that. She also loves, like you can see her light up when we do well in a month, when our oh profit gosh. percentage is a certain level. She gets so excited when she says, hey guys, I think we can increase your income moving forward. Like there is fulfillment for her just as there's fulfillment for anyone listening to this when a client gets exactly what they want out of a trip. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, different strokes for the different folks. That's not that's not my forte, but I love her for it. <laughs> I love her for it. But she she does um, she holds us accountable for paying ourselves, and everyone deserves and needs that. And if that's us right now, because you don't have the funds necessarily to hire a contract CFO. That's the point of this podcast. We want to motivate you to get to the point where those fees are paying for those conveniences. I am someone that I strongly believe in paying for convenience. It's where I will put the majority of my money, frankly. And Robin knows I love to outsource. <laughs> so yes. Yes. Speaking of it's also the biggest, um, oh, I'm going to upgrade to business or first class while we're checking in for a flight. Like that's literally every single time we go on trips. Jen's like, should we look at business class? <laughs> like, okay. You know, if you land rested, you just, you are a better person for it. And I believe, I actually love to upgrade on the way home more than I love upgrading going there because who wants to come home anyway? And then period. who End of sentence. I mean, I love being at home. I don't want to say, you know, I love, love my husband, love my house, love my dog, but I you're you're coming down off of that high of coming home and then you know you get a nice cushy place to lay your head you get to be well rested and it is something i will say i think it's unfair for us to come home to whether it be family or friends and be the worst version of ourselves because when you're coming home from a trade fair if you're coming home from a fam I, I I think it's you'd be hard pressed to find the someone that's coming home rested and the best version of themselves. So you best believe I love an upgrade. <laughs> included in the included in your fee. Included in your fee. Yeah, account for it. Um, okay, well, we will wrap this up, but Robin mentioned that this week we did hold a training and a thorough discussion on implementing fees within our niche community. One of our members even shared her calculator for fees. And yes, it was that same individual that just charged the $2,700 fee that got paid without even a blink. So she calculates that based on duration, number of clients, number of days. And seeing our members benefit from these conversations epitomizes exactly why we've created the niche community. So we want to end this episode and say, if you are looking to find a place where you can have the resources to elevate and streamline your business and have crucial conversations that allow you to make those changes, we would love to have you. So please head on over to teakhq.com backslash niche if you want to check out our membership tiers and we hope to see you there. We're 
sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished an episode of Teak Talk and we're so grateful for your support. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of the episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we're personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all resources that we launch throughout the year. What's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors who are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.